Chirp Radio's live lit and music series The First Time was recorded at Martyrs in North Center. The theme this round was first class. Attorney Karen Clanton tells our next story. Everybody needs to feel first to somebody. (laughs) British anthropologist Robin Dunbar hypothesized that based on the size of the human brain, the average person can have up to 150 people in their social network. Now, he discovered this in the 1990s, but found that it held true over time and across organization. Whether it was uh, medieval feudal villages, whether it was military, or even modern day bureaucracies. Now, while much has been debated about the number 150, is it reasonable? What other factors affect it? What about social media? I'm more drawn to another more compelling number in the same theory, the number five. Dunbar goes on to say that we're capable of maintaining close, intimate ties with only up to five people, max. It goes like this. 1,500 people you recognize, 500 you know. 150, that's that meaningful contact zone. You'd invite them to a wedding or a funeral, right? 50 are friends. You'd invite them to the annual summer barbecue. 15 are friend friends. You'd invite them to the house, no occasion. And then there are the five. Your ride or die. Your five who would stand up for you as said wedding or jump in the casket as said funeral. <laughs> they know your inside voice and what is saying at any given time. They call you at just the right moment, unbeckoned. They hold your aspirations and dreams as closely as their own. Your five know more about you than your therapist hairdresser, and bartender combined. (laughs) Have you ever moved up a Dunbar level in someone's life? I have, and it's like flying first class for the first time. You're doing just fine in coach. I mean, you're in boarding group two. At least you're on an airline with assigned seating. You're by the window. At least nobody's going to knock you around from the aisle. You're eating pretzels. At least they have complimentary snacks. And then, one day, you experience life behind the blue velvet curtain. You board first, hang up your coat, stretch out, sip your cocktail, slip on your slippers, and pity anyone who isn't you. It's amazing how these two disparate experiences are occurring on the same aircraft at the same time. People are no different. I was okay with being in my friend's Dunbar 15, but moving up to his Dunbar 5 was a revelation. (laughs) At 15, we kept in touch. 
At five, we speak every other day and have weekly visits. At 15, I'd be notified of milestones, a new job, a big trip, a move. But at five, I know in advance and may actually be involved. If I'd known these amenities were available, I would have requested an upgrade some time ago. <laughs> I call this the first class five treatment. Now, I usually fly coach. I actually fly Southwest. <laughs> but one of my first class travel indulgences is a Centurion Lounge by American Express. There's only 12 of them in airports across the world, and you have to be a platinum card or above to gain access. Now, amenities include showers, complimentary top shelf bar, light fare designed by local chefs, privacy, Wi-Fi, great views, and during Friday happy hour, a piano player. <laughs> a slice of travel heaven. During a visit to the Centurion Lounge in the Seattle airport once, I was asked to wait in the lobby while the concierge checked capacity. At first I thought it was a joke. <laughs> then I thought it was racism. Then I read the sign, which said, the lounge is under capacity control and will only allow guests to enter three hours prior to their flight departure. And there were travelers of varying backgrounds waiting patiently. That's when I discovered capacity is a thing. This nod to capacity has less to do with the fire code than the ability to provide first-class service to an exclusive number of people. In the first-class section of your heart, you're giving big-time amenities, loyalty, trust, access. You open yourself up emotionally and let your five avail themselves. Being part of someone's first class five and maintaining your own requires an intense level of resource, care, thereby making capacity an issue. How do you manage capacity among your first class five? Does adding someone new mean someone has to go? My first class five remains pretty stable. It consists of a small core group, many of whom have been with me for most of my adult life. I've had one or two disasters and added sparingly and carefully ever since. But my anxiety stems from where I fall in the first class five of others. Is there a hierarchy? Am I two or three to lots of people, but first to none? My insecurities were triggered recently when a member of my first class five got a new job and a new relationship. These two things combined drastically reduce the amount of time we spend together. And while this change was good, it was really disruptive. We experienced uncharacteristic miscommunications, crossed wires, knotted up expectations, and all these areas that used to be smooth sailing. The situation made me face my fear that someone I've let in to such emotional close proximity will leave out of disinterest, disingenuousness, or level of difficulty, mine. 
The situation showed me how essential quality time is to my first class five experience. It is my love language after all, which in practical terms means I need a mix of these three things. Premium attention, top shelf kind that's focused, undivided, and intentionally given. Free time to connect and let connection unfold naturally and not in segments and time constraints. And real talk, sharing what's really going on in your mind and your heart. I do not want the sanitized version or the highlight reel. I want the blow by blow. <laughs> My friend affirmed that I am indeed valuable to in her life and asked me to trust that I wouldn't be displaced and politely but firmly told me to manage my lounge but not hers. <laughs> and you know what? I'm overthinking it. Everyone's first class five is most likely driven by getting what you need from someone who's got it and is willing to give it to you. <laughs> Once the need's been met, make room for another platinum card holder who's been standing in line patiently. We likely travel through many Dunbar levels with a person through a lifetime, and the point may be to simply remain connected. During the holiday season, a dear friend and I spent a cozy afternoon together, my quality time. We were reminiscing about family and friends gone and sorely missed. And she shared wistfully that her grandfather made her feel unconditionally loved. Whenever they were together, by phone or in person, he would ask her, are you comfortable? The question simple, powerful, and all-encompassing in their relationship. Are you comfortable? Can I get you a blanket, a cup of tea, next month's rent, that dress at the window, advice, prayer, balm for your soul? To attend to someone's comfort, whether it's physical or metaphysical, is love in action. My friend felt loved second to none. And that's the feeling that allows us to build trust, share our stories, and soothe one another's pain. That's the feeling I want to bring into my relationships, no matter where they fall on the Dunbar level. I strive to be authentic, present, and open. While that may look different with my five, my 15, my 50, or beyond, the question remains the same. Are you comfortable? Thank you.
You can find this and other Chirp Radio interviews and podcasts at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.